2024 is here and we are not off to a good start. At least the rest of y'all. The Griff Report starts right now. Two, one, boom. Hotep Jesus. Of all the Jesuses I know, he's the Hotepiest. Social scientist and YouTube host, Hotep Jesus. How the fuck do you get a name like Hotep Jesus? It's the one and only Hotep Jesus. Ryan Sharp, better known to the world as Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep, Hotep, Hotep Jesus. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. Somebody said... What do you think you are? Some kind of Hotep Jesus? Ooh, and that's I was good. Just like, ooh, that's sexy. <laughs> yes, I do think I'm Hotep <laughs> Jesus. Salutations, Hoteps, and welcome to the Griff Report. I am your host, the Griff God. Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep, Hotep, Hotep Jesus. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. Oh, this is a real Hotep brother. Hotep to the Hoteps. Hotep to my Hotepistanis. Hotep to the chat. What up, y'all? Hold on. Um, been a couple of days since I stream. Obviously, my screens aren't in the right place, but here we go. Welcome, man. Happy New Year. Hotep Jesus is the Black Tucker Carlson. <laughs> That's a new one. What up, man? Um, Yeah, yeah, I saw the announcement about Kramer mentioning Bitcoin. Yeah, I saw that. Quite unfortunate. Not really sure what to think of that other than it could be a 52 fake out. Get everybody to dump. Because, uh, you know, he's hip to the fact that he's poison. So who knows? Who knows? We'll have to see. We'll have to, you know, actually, I don't price watch. I just DCA. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. Um... <laughs> this is funny. Check this out, y'all. Hold on. Let me show this to you. Let me show you what you've been waiting for. Boom. Boom. Oh, wait. Hold on. The Grifty site has now been updated. The fourth annual Grifty's Live. It's coming soon. Go to grifties.com. You go to grifties.com. There's a beautiful button here. You guys see that button? It's a beautiful button now on the website. The website's empty, by the way. No, we, We've erased last year. We're in a new year. So you can go ahead and start nominating your grifter. You can watch last year's show. Or you can buy tickets. It's going to take you to this page right here. Hotep Nation 4th Annual Grifties. Hosted by Uncle Hotep, myself. And uh, we got some special guests being announced soon. Um, those people include Anomaly. We got a 70% on Sam Tripoli. We got... Um, who else am I missing? Oh! Shane Cashman from Tim Cast. Shane Cashman from Tim Cast is coming true. And we got some more. We got some more waiting to uh, confirm. It's going to be a very, very festive event. Tickets are quite affordable. Um, we got uh, working on beefing up VIP, but VIP obviously gets you the, the front table seats, but also is going to get you access to the green room. 
So you guys get to hang out with us after the show. General admission is 25 bucks. And these are just, you know, fair ticket prices. And of course, there's going to be um, definitely a pre-event or post-event, maybe both. But we're definitely doing pre-slash-post-events. You guys get to uh, hang out with us and do something cool with us. I don't know what we'll do, but uh, the Grifties team and myself are working on that. So hopefully you guys are ready to come hang out with us, man. Um, so yeah, Grifties tickets on sale soon. We'll be running ads. You'll see ads run on your on your um on your timeline soon. So. Don't be alarmed. Hit the retweet button so we get more bang for our buck. With that being said, we got a very grifty show for you today. <clears throat> what up, Cam? What up, Oz, Steph, Colonel, Don Day? What's good with him, man? Shane Cashman is based. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. Really cool dude. Um, Strong Dad, what up, man? Happy New Year, bro. Happy New Year. You know, we're going to take phone calls a little bit later. So text Hotep in your name to 202-596-5631. You can get on the phone lines. Without further ado, let me reach down deep into the griff bag and see what we got here. I might as well start with what's on the tip of my brain. What is on the tip of my brain? Um, Let's start. I want to talk about that, too. That's very interesting. Um, matter of fact, let me just go ahead and show you what I'm looking at here. You know, um, why does it look like that? It's all good. I'll fix it. I want to start right here. I want to start right here. Oh, that's right. Because I enlarged my browser today. Pause just in case. So the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay has resigned she happens to be the shortest tenure in in the university's history. The shortest tenure in the university's history. Now I ask you this. Do you think them white folks over at Harvard was about to let a black woman be president of their university, especially a black woman who, uh, you know, doesn't bow, doesn't cower. But I thought she did a phenomenal job in the um, in the hearing. She stood she stood on business. She stood ten toes down, and uh, she she was acting like a free Negro. She was acting like one of them free Negroes, and um, it was only a matter of time before the pressure got to her. Apparently, um, they've been um, accusing her of more works of plagiarism, six out of 11 or something like that. I would love to see the documentation about this plagiarism. I see the accusations. I want to see what she wrote and what the plagiarism is, if it's uh, sorted and sized, because um, there is a possibility that, you know, it's just pure cap and pressure because she has gone against the Zionist agenda. So I wrote here, I said DEI isn't going so well at Harvard. She was replaced by a Jew, Alan Garber. Is that still DEI? It's an honest question. I don't know. It's like, if you're a white male Jew and you get hired for a job, is that considered diversity, equity, and inclusion? Or do you need to have 
um, some other boxes crossed off like gay, trans, woman, handicapped. Or can a, a, a white male Jew count as diversity at conclusion? This is an honest question. This is an honest question. Uh, apparently they did the same thing at Penn. They, you know, lady at Penn, she got sacked or I should say resigned. And she uh, uh, allegedly she was replaced by a Jew. I don't know. But um, I mean, with uh, things happening on campus uh, amidst the Middle East conflict, it kind of makes sense that they would put a Jew in place. They're like, look, if anybody's going to handle anti-Semitism, it should be a Jew. Right. I guess that kind of makes sense. You know, look, they got to get that anti-Semitism under control. So they've installed a Jew. Very interesting. Very, very interesting um, development here on Harvard. But the fact that this black woman was the shortest tenure in history, that's hilarious. That is just, that is just, it's not like I didn't expect it, though. It wasn't about to let, like I said, they're not going to let no, no black person, no brown person that wasn't towing the line be president of the white man's greatest university to ever exist. Harvard. No, no, no. Definitely not happening. All right. Let's move on. Um. <laughs> Uh, and I don't remember what my predictions were about that. Does anybody remember what I said about this last time we covered it? Anybody know? Strong Dad, you gonna miss it? It's all good. It's all good. We said only if you make 60K a year. Protocol, you wild. Only jobs under six figures. <laughs> she gonna have a nice payday? I hope so. Black Girl Magic says Jabari Ajuda. Yeah. The eighth Ivy League the the eighth Ivy League's presidents are now all Jewish. All of them are Jewish? Damn. Damn. So this kind of goes in line with our common theme of radical right-wingism, bringing in anti-Semitism to create more Zionist power. So it would make sense that they would install um, Zionist sympathists in these seats. I don't know if all the Jews check out to be Zionist sympathists, because not all Jews are Zionist sympathists. Many are, but not all. Um, but it would make sense that they would take control of all of the intelligentsia, at least the Ivy Leagues. Um, <clears throat> three out of the eight of the Ivy Leagues who didn't have Jewish presidents are Penn Howard, uh, a Harvard, and I forgot the other. The ones are under attack. Uh, Jabari Judas said, "If you're not cheating, you're not trying." Eddie Guerrero and every rich businessman in the world. I've heard that before. I agree. I agree. All right. Um, let's get right into it. So, I spent as little time as possible. Uh, I mean, talking about a smidge of time on social media. In fact, a smidge of time communicating on my phone uh, during this holiday New Year's break. And then when I returned, do you know what I saw? I saw something um, quite disappointing. Wait, hold on. 
I'm sorry. I have to tie this story in. I forgot this was university related. Hold on a second. <clears throat> we have to talk about this. Pause on the conservative cake story. We have to play this video. Very important. Let's go right here. So uh, this one I would call when you're so close to the truth, but yet so far. And you'll see what I mean by that when we get to the end of the video. Let's take a look. Okay, I'm going to do a story time about how attending the Yale first year holiday dinner radicalized me politically. First year holiday dinner is a massive dinner party that Yale throws during the winter of your freshman year. There's ice sculptures and a giant parade. And when I first started at Yale, I was essentially still a child and I had a really idealized notion in my head about what Yale and Ivy League universities were doing in the world. Because I still in many ways believed in a meritocracy, I also believed that these universities in some ways set out to do good in the world or have a positive impact. I quickly realized that that was completely wrong, and one of the first places that I felt that the most deeply was at this first-year holiday dinner. What I learned was Ivy League universities are actually hedge funds that have happened to invest in education. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Investment in education is only a small portion of their entire investment portfolio, and some of their largest investments come from real estate. Now, Yale University owns about 50% of the total real estate in the city of New Haven, but they use their status as educational institutions to exempt them from paying taxes to the city. And this usually ends up completely decimating the local economy of the communities that these universities are based in. For example, one-fourth of New Haven's population lives in poverty. And this poverty often falls along lines of race, disproportionately impacting the large black population in New Haven. During freshman orientation, Yale's private police force tells the students that it's dangerous to go off campus. Workers, organizers, and activists have demanded that Yale pay a fair share in taxes for decades. Yale has obviously refused to do that and instead spends God knows how much money on things like the first year holiday dinner. I remember attending this first year dinner and feeling so profoundly uncomfortable by the extremely obvious segregation between the workers who were carrying massive platters of food and ice sculptures and literally parading them around the room and the students which included me the color line between the predominantly poc workers who were staffing the event and the overwhelmingly white student body just felt so bizarre and so wrong and it felt like very few other students or classmates of mine felt uncomfortable. At the end of the night, there was so much leftover food that was being thrown out and literally put in the dumpster. There were photos that had circulated that year of all of the like elaborate bread sculptures that they were throwing out and putting on the sidewalk at the end of the night. And this is in a city where poverty and homelessness is so... You got you to gotta just pay attention to how she comes to her conclusion. It's just... I thought she was headed on the right path here, but when you get to the conclusion, oh my God, just egregious. Overt. I think it was in this moment that I finally internalized the ways that these universities directly perpetuate inequality in their local communities, that their diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives are effectively meaningless if they are producing poverty and segregation within the city that they operate. And I came to realize that there was never going to be a path forward for social justice or broad-scale social equity within the structures of these universities that are truly just they operate. And I came to realize that there was never going to be a path forward for social justice justice or broad-scale social equity within the structures of these universities they operate and i came to realize that there was she just came to realize this never going to be a path forward for social justice or broad-scale social equity within the structures of these universities that a truly just world would see the abolition of private universities and the opening up of free public education for everyone 
Did you hear the did you hear the the, the, the fucking terrible logic here? Structures of these universities. That a truly just world would see the abolition of private universities and the opening up of free public education for everybody. After she did all of that wonderful breakdown and then ends with education free for all abandoned private universities oh my fucking god oh you know what's funny is she mentioned that university was going to be tax exempt you know who's also tax exempt the fucking government and do you think that when the government runs a university and invest in real estate, do you think they're going to have kickbacks to the local community? Do you really think that money's going to end up in the community? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Mark Zuckerberg gave a billion dollars. A billion dollars to Newark schools, Newark, New Jersey schools. And that money disappeared. The problem is not private versus public. That is not the problem. That is not the problem. The problem is people. The problem is people. That's what the problem is. The problem is, is um, inequality where we have to pay taxes, but Yale can conduct themselves like a university and then pay no taxes. Right. So that's a different type of inequality. You know, some people think inequality like black versus white and woman versus man, when really it's like corporate structure versus everybody else. You set your corporation up properly, you don't got to pay taxes and there's loopholes in this and everybody can exploit it. But really what it comes down to is um, city council. City council. Um, if Yale was doing a type of business that they say they're doing, if I'm city council, I'm like, yo, we need some homes built out here. You had to spend X amount of dollars on this. Some people say, well, that's communism. Yeah, sure. It sounds like communism. Sure. It sounds like fascism. Sometimes that shit's needed. If I was mayor and somebody in my town was getting rich at the expense specifically at the expense of others. Like you plop a multi-billion dollar corporation in the middle of the hood and everybody around that motherfucker is suffering. I got to be getting to question that institution. We're going to have to take a look and see what the fuck is going on that you're making billions of dollars a year, but everything around you dies. And you notice what all the universities, all the, like most of the major universities I'm not going to say, let me take that back. Not most, many universities, at least I can speak for the East Coast. They're all put in the hood. They're literally like around the corner from the hood. Rutgers, you step two blocks the wrong way when you're in Rutgers, you're in gang territory. You do the same thing down there uh, in Trenton, you're in gang territory. You do it in Philly at the Philly universities, like let's say Drexel, you go to Drexel. The hood is right there. So what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? It's not something I know too much about. Not something I have time to investigate. But clearly, there's an 
inequality problem. <laughs> There's an inequity problem. And you know what? You know what's sad about all this? Um, Yale was built off drug money. Yale was built off drug money. I saw somebody in the chat say um, Yale was there first or something like that. I don't know. Um, here we go. How profits from opium shaped 19th century Boston. Is this a good enough article? Um, or or should I look up the families? All right. So you got Forbes. Um, all right, here we go. Even Harvard wrote it on their own website. Their own website talks about it. Right. Uh, so right here, it says uh, from Harvard, the opium trade spread through New England. According to Bradley, Yale University's infamous Skull and Bull Society was funded by the Russells, the most successful family of opium dealers in America. Um, Columbia's low uh, memorial library was also named after key members of the family. Even Princeton's first large benefactor, John Green, uh, funded his contribution through the opium trade. So this is drug money. America's universities, prime universities, Yale, Harvard, Princeton, got to thank China because that's where many of this stuff was getting shipped to the opium wars. I think it was 1812 or something like that. But um, and then the Forbes family. Let me see Forbes opium. Let's see here. All right, let's. It's right there in in in, in um on Wikipedia. It says right here the family's fortune originates from trading opium. Dope. They'll tell you you are not successful if you land on the cover of Forbes. They'll look down on you for selling drugs in your neighborhood. They'll lock you up, throw away the key. Tell you you're bad for selling drugs. Be, be, be better. Be better. Meanwhile, Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Forbes family, all drug money. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. So if I'm the mayor and I have this information, I'm like, nah, nigga, we not about to have this area looking like this. All this activism and shit going on on campus. Yeah, you need to direct that shit. Like we need to start some programs, right? Let's start some programs to activate that shit and and. And and if you are going to not pay taxes in my vicinity as mayor, well, the the real estate you own, you're going to have to give that away at a discount. You're just going to have to do that. You're not even a legitimate business. You were built off of drug money. So I can't respect it. Can't respect it. Okay. Here's a realization that, um, oh, John Kerry. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that. John Kerry comes from this family. So there's no John Kerry. There's no John Kerry without drugs, without the drug money. You see what I'm saying? 
Now you can make up all types of excuses about how people viewed opium back then, et cetera, et cetera. Fact of the matter is they were selling dope. You can call it what you want at the time, but they were selling dope. They got rich off of it. You're those are just facts. Those are just facts. Um, let's go back. Uh, we got some white identitarianism. All right, let's get to conservative, the conservative cake fight. This is just messy. This is, I mean, where do we even start here? Um, it's just so much. All right, let's pull this up. I want to cover this as fast as possible so we can get to some big brain shit because, um, this shit is just weird. And I'm going to explain a couple of things to you. I can't believe I'm opening this many, this many tabs and we're not going to read all of this. This is just, all right. Uh, and I'm not even going to go in a specific order. We're just going to go down in the order to open these tabs up. Um, Rob question mark says, have a blessed new year. Hoteps member for two months. Shout out to Rob question mark. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you. Um, let's go back. If anybody wants to support the channel, you can also dollar sign cash app, Hotep Jesus, dollar sign Hotep Jesus on cash app. So actually I probably should play the video first or I'm not going to play the whole video, but here's the video. So, uh, this is, uh, is a Isabella Maria DeLuca. Okay. And, uh, she's baking a cake. Okay. And, her boobs have caused a massive stir. Her boobs have caused a massive stir. Okay. And, um, I think it has everything to do with the fact that she didn't put on an apron. As you can see right there, she's got cake all over her shirt. So I guess what people are trying to say is, um, she purposely was showing off her boobs or something like that, or I don't know what the fuck uh, people are upset about. I think it's a op uh, following the calendar debacle. It's got 9.7 million views. You can't even buy this type of advertising. So Isabella definitely up for grifted a year after this one. Um, You know what's funny about all of this? Isn't this the type of content I told these people to make? Remember, I, I, I think I tweeted it and I mentioned it during the show. I was like, yo, conservative women need to just start making, you know, kitchen videos. That's the that's the wave that that's the. That should be the trend. Make women cook again. Make women bake again. So when I saw this, I thought it was harmless. I gotta be honest, I thought it was harmless. I, I thought that, you know, this video was absolutely harmless. Um, is she, I mean, well, let me come back to that in just a second. Is there a market for conservative thoughtery? According to my sources, some people are about to be exposed soon. 
cheating on their wives and sex at the parties and the conservative events. I don't know. I don't know. Um, the internet's not real. I'm going to show you that in a little bit. I'm going to show you how fake the internet is. Um, but I think what my, the thing that tipped me off first was yoga. This is many, many moons ago where I started to notice that yoga wasn't about yoga. Yoga was about thirst trapping. I was like, wait, hold on a second. I get what's going on here. What these women are doing is they are using because some women don't feel comfortable just coming straight out with the thirst traps. Right. They they they, they don't want to be judged and, and made to seem like a hoe. So they try to create a front. OK. And yoga was the original front. At least from my point of view. OK. So the women decide to put on the tightest pants and shorts or whatever and bend over, put their booty in the camera, all types of stuff, the thirst trap, right? And I was in the yoga. And then it moved into gaming at some point. I don't know when that happened, but women in gaming is now a thing. Thirst trap and gaming is now a thing. So being that we have different niches, one of them happens to be politics, it's quite natural that women are going to find this niche, the conserva thought niche, okay, where they can use their looks um, to gain equity, to gain attention, to get money, notoriety, climb the class ranks, et cetera, et cetera. Now, is that what Isabella's doing? I can't say that for certain. I would not accuse her of that. Um, what are her highlights say? Uh, oh, she has a post here that says, I love being white. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In her highlights. Um, black guy, uh, getting knocked out by a white guy. Is she one of those white identitarian accounts? She looks a bit Hispanic to me. Um, now some people, some people have said that, um, had she not looked like this, you know, uh, so here, here's, um, here's her right here, right? Definitely got the Instagram model look going on here. And this is something that's very interesting, right? Like, This is normal. Like how she's dressed today is normal. Okay. Um, it would be considered fast in my day. That her outfit would be considered fast. That skirt is a little short. We would call that she's fast. Today that's that's just normal. Now in conservative Twitter, I guess there's some people trying to conserve traditional values or whatever they may be. I'm not really sure, but what I'll say is, considering how, how old this video, this video is from October 24th, which is like, I want to, I, I feel like it was an op, like somebody 
paid somebody to make this a big fuss to give her some clout. But I could be wrong. It's just, it's just like, why this old video all of a sudden surface? I don't know. Um, or maybe just jealous women because she got into a beef with another one. We're going to pull that up in a second here. But um, I like following the socialist path, the Fabian socialist path where little by little, right? Incremental changes. We don't need to see sweeping changes overnight. Often those are too hard to come about. But I, be I believe that having content where women are in the kitchen is a great start. Okay. Even if they're thirst trapping. Okay. Like her shirt here. I, I don't. You put this same shirt on Hannah and nobody cares. You put this same shirt on a woman who doesn't have boobs and nobody cares. But this shirt here is very normal. It's not even showing cleavage. But it's this is this is normal for today. OK, this is a normal top. Most women are walking around like this, especially around her age group. I don't know her age group, but whatever her age group is, this is how the women dress. So I think she could be a victim of being voluptuous up top and therefore her clothes seem more slutty. I've heard black women complain about that, too, where they say, a skinny girl could wear the same outfit as a, as a thick girl, but a thick girl looks slutty because she's got more curves, right? Like you put yoga pants on a skinny girl, nobody says anything. You put yoga pants on a girl with a fat ass and everybody goes, why are you thirst trapping? Same outfit. And it's sort of like you're supposed to say to the woman with the fat ass is like, is she supposed to cover hers up? But the girl who ain't got nothing, well, I guess the girl who ain't got nothing, ain't got nothing to cover up. Such a weird, weird phenomena we're trying to uh, sort out here but there is a niche for thirst trapping um Reebok pump bras <laughs> Reebok pump bra <laughs> um she said uh, hairway to Steven says that shirt is the yoga pants of shirts <laughs> I, you know what I think this is? So she wrote a whole paragraph here to Rational Mail, a.k.a. Rolo. I'm not reading that whole paragraph. When women send you a whole paragraph, we're not reading that shit. I just, just no, we don't do walls of text. Um, and then Rolo responds here and says Brittany Venti tried to send him uh, an underage video of her. I remember this from way back. Um and then they, they brought Hannah into the whole situation. God knows why. I don't know why they keep giving that girl clout. Um, hold on. Um, wait, who, here, here we go right here. This is the lady she was beefing with. Now, this lady follows me. I have not elected to follow her yet. Um, and no diss to her. No diss to her, right? No diss to her. But let's look at this video. And Rachel, please forgive me. But you got some big ass shoulders, shorty. You got some big ass shoulders. And so the, the one side of the coin, we got thottery. Okay. And on the other side of the coin, we got jealous women. And I think maybe, just maybe, forgive me, Rachel. But I think there may be a bit of jealousy that Rachel can't thirst trap like the conservative thoughts, 
not to call Isabella a conservative thought, but she would fall under that category according to the story, right? According to the accusations, according to Rachel, she would fall under the conservative thought category. But Rachel, to me, if she had the same outfit on, I don't know if everybody's going, stop thirst trapping. So it seems to be some cattery going on here. Okay? Some cattery. Is that a word? You know, it's a cat fight. And again, I don't like to get in the middle of cat fights, but I do like to break down to my audience the dynamics of female behavior, right? So on one side, you got your, let's just call it the thirst trapping, which is something that these young, attractive women do. They like to cash in on their looks while they can, okay? Use it to their benefit. I, I, we'll get to the callers and talk about that later, how I feel about that. On the other side, you got the women who can't do it, so they complain about the women who can do it. I, I, you know, if you were going to complain, I, I, I don't think the bacon video is really where you want to do it. But anyway, Daily Mail wrote this article about this story. And um, apparently Aubrey Huff, MLB player, has something to say in a now deleted tweet. Um, if we can find that, here it is. So here's the deleted tweet. The deleted tweet here, it says this cat fight between Isabella and Rach for patriarchy is proof that most today's women even know their sexuality is all they bring to the table, complete with a desperate need for attention, crippling debt, drama, delusional self-worth and a complete lack of count accountability. So, again, men, you're not supposed to get in the middle of, of the cat fight. You don't get in the middle of women's beef. Leave that shit alone. OK. Leave that shit alone. So what does she do? She claps back. And she says. This you. Where she has. Hold on. Um, a screenshot. Of Aubrey Huff. Now I need the chat. I need the chat to tell me. I need the chat to tell me scale of one to five, five meaning he's got good game. One, he ain't got no game. What do y'all think about this DM where he's shooting his shot? Says, hey, beautiful, let's collab over cocktails and bad decisions. And he's got the silly uh, emoji face. What do y'all think about that for an open? What do y'all think about that? From one to five, Where do y'all put that? Um, apparently, he uh, deleted his account. Yes, apparently, Aubrey Huff has now deleted his account. Minus 66, no game, one, 3.8, one. Is this mode one? The emoji is gay. One point half, one, gay. He's clowning on her. Okay. Hotep Goldstein says in a negative, no emojis. Two, basic for the basic. Cam says he rates it gay. 
Lord have mercy. Uh, but you know the moral of the story here is well, what, let's see what Sonny Johnson says before we get to the moral of the story. Wires crossed. Uh, so Isabella says, I think I'm officially politically homeless. Now, this is I, now here's a tweet I don't like. Um, because it's like you just got all this clout and now you're gonna go the victim route. You're not a victim. You, you know you gain mad followers. Or she's saying she quit. Is she saying she's leaving the right? If she's saying she's leave leaving the right, then we got to congratulate her. She's playing victim, then we don't. Okay? Because this is what you signed up for. You got in the middle of all of it. You got into this back and forth because you could have just blocked people and kept them moving, but you got your clout chasing on. And I'm not saying she shouldn't have got a grift on. You know, get your grift on. Get your, you know, your 9 million views. I ain't mad at that at all. You know, I ain't mad at Isabella, you know, milking this grift. I just don't like people want to milk it from the victim grift, right? Yeah, do it from the victor grift. So Sonny Johnson says, because she baked a cake. If y'all don't understand what your influence is doing to conservatism, you'll get what you deserve. Too bad the entire country pays the price. Now, th this is more in line with my take on the matter, where I'm looking at the entire situation because I had taken a hiatus. And the last time I took a hiatus from social media, I came back and they were arguing over a calendar. This time I come back. And they're arguing over this. And I'm like, it, damn. The, the, people are showing their true colors. They are showing, the, 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 the right is showing how immature they really are. If I were a right wing, I'd be embarrassed. If I was a conservative Republican, I'd be embarrassed. Like, what the hell is going on here? You know? I just would be embarrassed. I really would. You really got to find something better to do with your time, people. That this this shouldn't have been, it shouldn't have been story today on the Griff Report. You know we got to cover the Griffers. Who said milking the Grift? <laughs> She's milking the Grift. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> oh man. Um. But shout out to Isabella. You know. Um, I don't think she follows me. I don't think I follow her. Yeah, we don't follow each other. Yeah. I just found out who she was, you know, uh, through this debacle. Um, but this is a good start. Bacon videos are a good start. This is a trend I called last year, said would become popular. And we talked about this, the trad wife grift. This is the, this is, that's what this is. It's really the trad wife grift. And, um, uh, you know what's funny is the trad wife grift has a huge crossover overlay in the Venn diagram with white identitarianism. They almost go hand in hand, which is why it's it's interesting that when we went to her highlights, and I specifically went to the highlights because the highlights are showing what she wants to highlight from her account. And it says here, I love being white. Now let me turn the volume up just to see. All right, I thought it might have been something else. Um, I love being white. All right, so, and uh, there's nothing wrong with saying I love being white, but when you turn it into content, 
I see the white identitarian grift. And it's just funny how that seems to cross over into the trad wife thing. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing here. Okay. So let's be clear. I'm not condemning it. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just showing you what I'm seeing, which is interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, yeah. Damn, this this didn't now this alpha is a little she got the <clears throat> she got the legs out. But is this any different than how women dress nowadays? Like I feel like all the women dress like this now. I feel like all the Instagram babes look like this. Don't they? She's just like your, you know, uh you know, your typical you know, white hot chick, right? I guess. No. Who knows? I just wish we had something better to do with our time. Conservative Twitter. But this is what conservative Twitter is arguing about. Meanwhile, let me check. Uh, Harvard's trending. Beirut is trending. Uh, did the Epstein list drop yet? I, I, anybody got a link to the, to the, I see a lot of fakes. Uh, I see people pulling out the flight logs like that's a grift right now where um, people are pulling out the flight logs and rehashing those because Epstein is trending. Um, they've mentioned, you know, uh, Bill Clinton. But like I said, if they're not looking in the chase transactions, then they, um, they're not looking up anything. They're not looking up anything. And they're going to use that stuff to target all the, all your favorite people. When that list drops, if that list drops, they're going to use it to target your favorite people. They're not going to use that list to take down the people you want to take down. They're going to use that list to frame other people. Those are just the facts of the matter like Trump, black celebrities, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, let's come back. So still nothing left. Uh, we did say, you know, uh, we didn't expect much. Last time we talked about that topic, we did say we didn't expect much from this. But um, I saw this is this was pretty interesting, came across my timeline. Check this shit out. So Denise, Pamela Denise uh, posted this, says in a sit down interview Tuesday, Ramashwamy noted that his father is not a U.S. citizen and never took the test. But my mother did, he continued, explaining that she took the test and completed the process after he was born. Now, I'm not the smartest man in the universe. 
So I'm glad she provided some context. She says Vivek was born in Ohio. Did his parents have permanent legal domicile? Or was he too an illegal anchor baby? Anchor babies are not constitutional citizens and we can't have presidents who are not citizens, nor can we have such folks in presidential cabinet, uh, cabinet positions. So she called Vivek an anchor baby. She said he's ineligible. Damn. Did y'all know that? Did y'all know he was an anchor baby? And through his own admission, Hotep Federales just became a member. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you, bro. So Vivek is an anchor baby. Now, nobody's going to talk about this because right now he's serving the agenda. When you're serving the agenda, you'll be protected. When you're no longer serving the agenda, they'll pull this out and act like they just found out when people like uh, Den uh, Pamela Denise Long, who goes by name Denise, has uncovered this um, July uh, 17th, 2023. So that's all on that. I just wanted to cover that really fast. Um, hold on. Let's. All right. Let's let uh, uh, white identitarianism, a.k.a. and wokeness posted this tweet today. This year, the fate of South Africa's five, 4.51 million white citizens will be sealed. A general election will be held in a few months and one candidate is surging. His name is Julius Malema, leader of the EFF party. Malena has openly and repeatedly called for genocide against white people. So the America first thing dies in South America. I mean, South Africa, the American first thing, just there is no America first when it comes to black versus white. All of a sudden, everybody's identifying as white. Okay. My question then becomes if the, white citizens of South Africa illegally immigrated to the United States. Are we accepting them? My answer is a, is a staunch hell no. But I wonder how these people would honestly feel if the people coming across the border were white South Africans fleeing the EFF. I wonder how they would, how they would feel. I wonder how they would feel. Yeah, I just like to show people how the America first thing dies in South Africa, where, you know, it's about white identity. You know, the funny thing about the South Africa thing is white people acting like they're victims in the country. That shit is hilarious to me. It just it's just absolutely hilarious. I'm like, how could you be a victim in South Africa? Y'all run everything. Y'all stole that. Y'all stole that country fair and square. You ran everything. You created segregation, murdered millions of blacks, divided the Zulu tribe. And then now turn around years later and now pretend to be victim. It's just weird. Obviously, it's hypocritical. Um, and, you know, there's that thing where, well, should they have to pay for the deeds of someone else? Like, I, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. But, you know, going by South Africa's history, if there is going to be some reciprocation uh, or some reciprocity, I would expect it. I would, I, I would definitely expect uh, some get back. You know, not saying it should happen, 
I'm not exactly sure how I would solve that problem. You know, the terrible part is that we're losing great South African black minds to Marxism, cultural Marxism, Marxism, economic Marxism. That's the sad part because the black people kind of, at least like the ones I see online, like the boule, your intelligentsia, uh, your upper, up, your middle to upper class blacks, mostly female, just like here in America. Um, they, um, don't you don't see them talking about oppression against white uh, against blacks you see them talking about oppression against gays and you see them talk about capitalism and and, and things of that nature so um that's the sad story to south africa uh if i had time i'd get more deep into that history but i don't have time i'm too busy studying other things like the federal reserve Oh, I got to tell you, it's just a, the Federal Reserve is just a fascinating beast. Matter of fact, I should show you, we should do some big brain shit. Should we do some big brain shit? Don't y'all want to see some big brain shit? I want to show you some big brain shit, but while we're talking about black women, or I should say, um, college educated Negroes, I want to show you this clip right here in regard to uh, slavery in the Civil War. We talked about this last week, and I just want to just play just a, it's a nine minute video, but we're not gonna play. I just want to play a short clip. I think it's the first thirty seconds. Listen to this. I sigh deeply. I probably want to curse right now, but I'm gonna keep this PG. So on Wednesday night during a town hall meeting in the state of New Hampshire, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley was asked. A very important question during this town hall one obviously she was not ready to answer which boggles my mind in and of itself because most people who have had just even a little high school education I'm sure their high school teacher taught them that the Civil War in America was fought over slavery and that's it that's it that's only that's all I wanted to play Key, 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 key part of that video is where she says, I'm sure your high school teacher taught you civil war was over slavery. And that is the exact problem. Refer to my civil war video last week. We did a whole deep dive into that. Um, but that's the whole thing. Your, your high school teacher will tell you, oh, it was about slavery. And the hoteps would tell you, are we really trusting? Are we really about to sit up here? and trust uh, our high school education. This is what we're doing. We trust in that Rockefeller funded education. It's so weird because people tell you all the time not to trust the yeah, government. I can try to get that handled for you again. It's only my second day. Uh, not to, I gotta change that. Um, I didn't even know who was doing that. Uh, not to trust the government, et cetera, et cetera. White supremacy. They need to get a copy of this book. Patriot Report, Unmasked and Conspiracy of Money and War, everything you need to know about United States history that year. High school teacher never told you because Marxism equals censorship, right? This is on hotepjesus.com. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. But it's just weird. It's just, just, it's just weird. The digital version is only 14 bucks, by the way. Uh, or you can get the physical over at Amazon. It's just weird that people will tell you about systemic racism systemic racism systemic racism the system's corrupt don't trust the government but 
you trust the shit you learned in high school? Just really weird to me. Really weird to me. Um, but it, you know, the like I said, the more educated someone is through the system, specifically through the system, the more misled they will be. Um, hold on a second. Um, what's this? Oh, there's a 10 minute video of Vivek going back and forth with a black pastor. I'm not going to play that today. I don't feel like it. Maybe I'll play that tomorrow and take a look at that. I never actually watched it. Um, I do want to cover the color purple before I get into some big brain shit. Can we talk about the color purple? I, I, I did go see it. But I want to pull that up, and then I want to pull up. Where's the Boosie? There you go. And then the Boosie. The Boosie tweet. All right, let's pull this up. We're going to start with um, Dr. Boyce Watkins and see what he says about the film. Okay, so I saw the color purple, and uh, I'm walking out to the car. And I um, will say this. It was a well-done movie. It was um, <clears throat> the singing choreography is excellent. Acting was good. If that's your type of movie, I was not in the target demographic of that movie because uh, I'm a straight black male, and I don't think that men were represented very well. And obviously, I have an issue with the idea of uh, black women and white men getting together and making movies that make black men look terrible. Um, I don't. I'm not a fan of that. However. This movie does not document the relationship between black men and black women. It documents the relationship between feminists and lesbians and abusive men. So if that's your thing, then this movie's for you. If it's not your thing, you know, it's all good. But it was a good musical. I didn't have anything against it. Yeah, I don't like the whole musical uh, movie shit, but it was cool, whatever, right? Um, it, the, the weird thing is, you know, Boyce Watkins is referring to this iteration of the movie. And uh, I got to be honest with you, the original was the same thing. <laughs> like, you know, uh, I tell my lady to go see it. And um, I knew what I was going for. I was going for research purposes. I wanted to see, you know, what were they putting in women's minds? I wanted to see it specifically black women i wanted to see it i wanted to see the propaganda and um well that leads us to the boosie tweet so boosie tweets out and he says here i had to walk out the color purple movie because i had my little girls with me and it seemed like a love a gay love story good acting but whoever wrote the script is pushing the narrative hard as a parent i will not let my little girl watch this film um so Boosie is another one who hadn't seen the original because in the original they had the um, the female kissing scene. Um, I want to say the original version was much more graphic as far as that's concerned. Well, I haven't watched the original in a while, but um, that's I, this wasn't why if I walked out, this isn't why I would have walked out. Um. First of all, I wouldn't have taken my two little girls to see Color Purple. That just would not have happened. That's an 18 and up movie. I would even venture to say, I would say, honestly, as a dad, 
of two daughters, that's a 25 and up movie. That's a 25 and up. We really got to revisit, um, you know, when people can watch movies. I wouldn't take, I wouldn't take my 20 year old daughter to go see this. I wouldn't. Um, this is definitely a 25. This is definitely a 25, uh, 25 and up movie. You know, your brain needs to be formed well in, in order to watch a flick like The Color Purple because it's, frankly, it's hard to watch. The movie was really hard to watch. I got to be honest with you, really hard to watch. I mean, when you have a story of a girl who um, is adopted and then treated like a slave by her black adopted dad and then sold as a minor to another man. And that man, well, before we get to that, so a man adopts her. She believes it's her dad. It's not, long story short, uh, spoiler. Um, but he rapes her, gets her pregnant, and then sells the babies, okay? Sells her babies. Then he sells her, I think for like, a cow or something and some something else to another man, basically, you know, as a wife, um, somebody to, um, you know, take care of the household, et cetera, et cetera. And then she's just passed around from him to another man to another man, um, as basically a, pretty much a slave and then raped by everybody in between. Okay. Uh, and just treated unfairly. That to me is more of a reason than some lesbian kissing scene to walk out of the movie. It just, it's very hard to watch these scenes and the story and the music that goes along with it. You know how they tug at your emotions with the music, make you feel bad for the characters. It makes it really bad, hard to watch, but, um, it's a terrible movie. It's, it's a terrible story. It's just, it's a sickening story. It's one of those critical race theory stories. You know how they say they want to ban stuff from, from school, ban books from school? If I had... If I had a school... Color Purple, the book, would be banned. I'd ban it. I really would. I really would. Um, then there's the other side of the argument where how do you talk about sexual abuse? And to that, to that, I don't know. I don't know. But introducing it to the human mind where it had not been previously introduced could be detrimental depending on the age of the person. You know? I believe that there would be less sexual abuse and abuse of women all the way around the board if we didn't have the justice system we had, right? Because if somebody in your neighborhood touches a little girl and you live in another country, what you have is uh, vigilante justice, okay? In America, we don't have vigilante justice. If somebody touches a little girl and you do something to him, the judge is gonna prosecute you. He's not gonna say, yo, you did the right thing by getting rid of this pedophile or or assaulting a pedophile. We don't have that type of system. 
And because you don't have that type of system is why a lot of this stuff is perpetuated, why a lot of this stuff gets to breathe, because we're not allowed to take things in our matters into our own hands, which makes things quite sticky. Um, the book is even more graphic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So 10 out of 10 would not recommend the color purple. 10 out of 10 would not recommend the color purple. All right, let's get into some big brain shit. I, I just can't help myself. I want to show you some shit. Watch this. Hold on. Go here. Let's look at the HTML version. So shout out to uh, Syscoin, sponsor of the show. Can't wait to uh, get into another wonderful year of collaboration with them. All right, so we're going to go right here. Um, this is from, this is on Mises.org, Understanding Money Mechanics. And we're going to hop down to chapter six, central banking since the 2008 financial crisis. You see that on your screen now. Okay. Um, actually we can just leave that. Wait, why is it, why is it not responding? Oh, okay. All right. It's this one. Okay, cool. So check this shit out. Okay, here we go, right here. So to summarize, the 2008 housing crisis um, gave the Fed additional tools, right? And this is basically, you know how they say the Fed prints money? So this basically showing the different ways that they're printing money, although they're not exactly printing money. I don't know. It gets confusing really fast, but I did want to show this to you. Um, it, it's really, it's really a game of, I get to make up the rules as I go along. Like it's, it's sort of like playing, you ever try to play a game with a three-year-old and they just keep changing the rules to the game so that you lose. That's pretty much what's going on here. So in this document, Wonderful book here. Um, he he shows all the changes or tools. Well, not all, but most, like the most egregious ones. And I just want to read out a couple here to you. Okay, so it says the Federal Reserve Board announces the creation of a term auction facility. So what they do is they just like, they'll just create a term, right? Like they literally just make up new terms and then, and then try to just, you know, substantiate it. It says in which fixed amounts of term funds will be auctioned to depository institutions against a wide variety of collateral. Okay. The FOMC, um, authorizes temporary reciprocal currency arrangement swap lines with, the European Central Bank and the Swiss National Bank. So it's basically like some sort of, um, I, I wouldn't even call it like an atomic swap, but they're swapping currencies with Europe and the Swiss National Bank, right? Okay, let's come back. The Federal Reserve uh, 31108, the Federal Reserve Board announces the creation of Term Securities Lending Facility, which will lend up to 200 billion of treasury securities for 28 day terms against federal agency debt. Federal agency residential mortgage-backed securities, non-agency 
uh, MBSs and other securities. Now, if you know anything about 2008 housing crisis, MBSs are, um, uh, they, they take the blame, okay? Where there were just shitty loans coupled in with good loans inside these MBSs, mortgage-backed securities. Basically, you take a whole bunch of loans, put them in one package, and sell them all over the place. Um, so these are shitty. Like, these things right here are shitty. And this is what they're going to um, leverage, right? But that's not, that's not where things get really crazy. I'm going to show you right here. 32408. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York announces that it will provide term financing to facilitate J.P. Morgan and Chase's acquisition of the Bear Stearns Company, Inc. A limited liability company, Maiden Lane, is formed to control $30 billion of Bear Stearns assets that are pledged as security for $29 billion in term of financing. And then I believe he has, here it is, he has the map right here where you have Wall Street right here. Uh, connecting to Broadway. Then you have Maiden Lane connecting to to to, to Broadway. So these things are, are definitely like Wall Street entities. But it's just like, what if Hotep Jesus wanted to buy the Bear Stearns company? You could have gave me the money and I could have did it. So it seems like J.P. Morgan Chase and company obviously have an inside track. Wait a second. When did Jamie Dimon serve on the board? Wait a second. Wait a second. Jamie Dimon. When did, when did, when did he serve on the board of directors? Ha, uh, ha, March 2008. So, um, March 2008, Jamie Dimon became a Class A board member of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> so, December 31st, 2005, he was named CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. And then on December 31st, 2006, he was named chairman and president. And in 2008, he joined the Fed board. And then, wait, when did he join? March 2008. In March 2008, specifically the 24th, is when the Federal Reserve Bank of New York Federal Reserve Bank of New York. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Basically allowed them to form a new LLC and gave them $29 billion. Well, loaned them $29 billion. Wow, this is a great game, y'all. This shit is just hilarious. So he sat on the board, was like, hey, I'm going to rob Peter to pay Paul. I'm going to move money from the Fed loan it to myself basically this is crazy uh let's all right so i'm gonna rip through the rest of these federal reserve board authorizes fed new york to lend to federal national mortgage association aka fannie mae freddie mac more money printing um they lent uh 
85 billion AIG. How? Why? Who? Um, the Federal Reserve Board announces that the Fed will pay interest on depository institutions required in excess reserve balances an average of the federal funds rate less 10 basis points. So this is where things kind of got weird. Um, where I'll just try to make it as simple as possible. Basically what happens is if you can make more money parking your, your, your money at the fed, you won't lend it out. You say, well, I can get 5% from somebody else, right. In a mortgage, uh, or I can get 5.2 from the fed and just park my money or even, even it just is safer. So the fed started paying interest rate on the reserves, which created a, a, a hell of a conundrum in the markets. Um, Federal Reserve announces the creation of commercial paper funding facility, CPFF, which will provide liquidity backstop to U.S. issuers of commercial paper. Again, just creating shit, just making shit up as they go along. This is all in 2008. Federal Reserve Board authorizes the Federal Reserve Bank of New York to borrow $37.8 billion in investment grade fixed income securities from AIG in return for cash collateral. Now, this is what's funny about, and I think I'm going to stop right here because I think you get the point. Um, this is where financial language becomes confusing. And I think obviously on purpose, right? So it says the Federal Reserve Board of New York, uh, Bank of New York. Wait, where is it? I'm sorry, right here. New York borrows securities, basically assets in exchange for cash collateral. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a fancy way of saying we invested in AIG. Am I wrong? Am I reading this wrong? Somebody in the chat tell me, am I reading this wrong? It sounded it sounded like they're basically saying, hey, the Federal Reserve Board of New York, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York invested in AIG. But they say they borrowed thirty seven point eight billion in fixed income uh, securities from AIG in return for cash collateral. What? <laughs> That's called a purchase. That's called an investment. <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I reading this wrong, chat? Yes or no in the chat? Am I reading this wrong? He said it's like a secured loan that AIG can pay back whenever. Is it? I guess so. I, yeah, I guess that's a good that's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah, because I see you put secured loan in quotes there. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> they did the same thing in General Motors. Yeah, that's in here. The General Motors one is in here somewhere. Um, if I can find it. 
At least I thought it was. Um. No, I don't see it here. But I believe you. But I believe you. And I may or may not have heard the General Motors story as well. Um, I just find that absolutely fascinating. The, the moral of this story is the Federal Reserve gets to um, make up rules as it goes along. Right? And it's got some interesting charts here. Right? So you see the QE here. Quantitative easing one, quantitative easing three. So it's basically like the inflation of um, reserve assets. And if you go to the next chapter, hold on, which is another interesting chapter. Um, so here the uh, the chart of, and I tweeted this out earlier. Uh, reserve asset requirements. No, this is um, total assets. I'm sorry. That's the total assets chart. Here we go. Um, reserve, as, uh, reserve asset requirements. So if you notice that right around 2008, there's a spike in reserve assets required. And then uh, as of the pandemic, they said, well, you don't need, um, you don't need, um, whatchamacallit, um, Reserve, you don't you don't need any reserves, right? They just um, and basically what they were saying here is, um, you know, uh, at some point loosening the reserve requirement is supposed to trickle down to us because then banks have more money to loan, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then if you look, you also see M1, M2 um, during the pandemic just absolutely skyrocket. M1 and M2 money. Meanwhile, they changed the definition of M one money m1 money now includes savings so that's another thing they change the definitions of things right to sort of hide um the effects of their decisions because if they didn't then look a lot worse this chart would probably look a lot worse um than it than it actually would um although this is a chart based upon the old definition okay um so, um, wait, let me see. M1, M2 money stock shown effect of May 2020. No, this is the redefinition. So if they went based upon, okay, I did say that correct. They went based upon the old definition. It probably would look a lot worse. Um, but yeah, so you see here, this is basically total money supply and circulation transactions, including savings now. And then you see here reserve requirements. Um, but yeah, anyway, I think I've made my point because I'll go down the fucking Federal Reserve rabbit hole like all fucking day. And um, we got to get to the phone lines. Uh, text hold tapping your name to 202 596 5631. Tell me what you feel, man. Is the conservative thought thing a problem? What do y'all want to do about it, man? Was, was she uncalled for with that shirt? <laughs> or were uh, people just complaining about the wrong things? Catch you on the other side is commercial break. Text hold tapping your name 202 596 5631. 202 596 